Well, hello, EKN Nation. Welcome to the EKN Radio Network. Again, super thrilled that you guys have tuned in to either the website through ecardinews.com slash radio, or maybe you have downloaded the app from Google Play or iTunes. We are thankful that you're doing that and uh, very excited about the end of 2018 and moving into 2019 with a lot of new content here on EKN Radio. My name is Rob Howden, the editor-in-chief and publisher of ecardinews.com, and uh, joined by a guest who I've known for many, many years, and just kind of rolling through this great run of podcasts we have. This is an industry insider. We're going to talk to one of the major players in the sport in terms of national-level race teams, driver development, and just a tent and a trailer that you can go to to learn, develop, get better, and win. And of course, I'm talking about Mike Rawlison from the Rawlison Performance Group. Mike, thank you so much for joining us. I know that uh, uh, we're pulling you away from the racetrack at the Rio now. You're there for the Rock the Rio event and, of course, uh, the Supercarts USA Super Nationals, the true capper for the season here in North America. But again, thank you so much for joining us here on the EKN Radio Network. We appreciate it. Thank you very much, Rob. Glad to be here today. You're back at the Rio. How's that feel? Let's, uh, you know, we're all waiting to get there. David Cole and I don't roll into the Super Nats. I think I, I get there the Sunday beforehand. But, man, back at the Rio again. It's uh, How's it looking so far? Well, it's looking really good. I'm Personally, I'm, I'm very happy to be back here. A, a few of our staff members have also uh, said they're very excited to be back at the Rio. So um, uh, I, I don't know what it is about the Rio. Uh, the first time I was here was 2002 when I raced yeah. myself uh, at a Super Nationals. Um, but it, there's something something in the air here. I think the competitors, at least a few of the kids that I've spoke to, are also excited to be here. You know, for anybody that's been in the sport uh, a long time or been part of the Super Nationals, of course, this is the 22nd edition of this event. The Rio was where the Super Nats got taken from out on the rock pile, you know, Las Vegas, yep. Las Vegas Karting Center slash Xplex, whatever we called it, 97 to, uh, to 2001. But when Jim Murley and Don Janowski brought it into town, you know, that that was it. We brought it into the city for the first time. It just kind of took that race to the absolute next level. And I think anybody that was involved at that point, you know, some of your guys that have worked for you and have worked for you, like a Wesley Boswell or a, a Bonner Moulton, have had success at the Rio as well. So when they roll in there, they get that feeling of, man, I'm back to a place where I was when shifter cart racing really kind of took that next step. Totally agree. Totally agree. We've had those uh, same conversations over the last, uh, yeah. well, it's been about a year since it was announced that, uh, you know, the Supernats was coming back uh, to the Rio. So uh, we're very excited. Let's start this podcast, Mike, off by giving uh, maybe an opportunity for you to kind of give an overview. I'll spout in as well uh, in regards to what the Rawls Performance Group is. You know, there's going to be lots of racers um, around the country here that um, you know may not run nationally, may not focus on national or regional level racing. Uh, you know, they they may have heard the name. I'm, I'm sure they probably heard the name Rawlson Performance Group. You guys have won a lot of championships and a lot of races, but they may not know much about the overall program. And it, the reason why I kind of wanted to talk about this is we're going to talk later on in this podcast about what you do in terms of being a racing team. It's not just hey, here's a cart, we'll tune it for you, you go racing. You really are, for all intents and purposes, um, uh, let's put a, a capsule of driver development. It's not a racing school. You know, you're not just a racing team that provides product. You guys really do develop drivers. You're on the racetrack. You go driving with these kids. It's wheel to wheel, one on one. 
your staff is made up of multi-time champions, not just you, but as I said, Moulton and, and Wesley Boswell and Mike Beanie. And there's, there's guys that have won races for, for many, many years. So we'll talk a bit about driver development, maybe ask for some input from you that we can give to a club level racer who's listening to this podcast, who can take something from that and maybe improve their own program. But over an overview, what is the Rawlison Performance Group? Sure. Well, I started kart racing in 1990. And, um, of course, if you've been in the sport for a while or if you were racing back then, uh, karting was much different uh, uh, back then. Uh, I started with my dad uh, with a kart that uh, I bought out of the classifieds of the Oregonian newspaper. <laughs> uh, wow. Uh, yeah, okay. an, an old uh, 1981 Emic was my first kart with a Yamaha KT100. Um, and, uh, you know, uh, obviously I, I, I love the sport and, and couldn't get enough of it. And I, I took my very first laps at um, Pat's Acres uh, in Canby, Oregon. And we're, we're still driving there today. Yeah. Uh, but karting is, I mean, karting is a great sport. Um, it taught me uh, and is still teaching me today. But as a young man, uh, you know, 13 years old when I got into the sport, it taught me a lot of things. And, and that's particularly, you know, uh, one of the things that I love the most about karting is not just how to understand <clears throat> how to get around a certain track or, or uh, the, the grip level changing throughout a weekend or what the cart's doing or what the engine's doing, but uh, – you know, you learn so many things in karting, how, how to win, how to lose, how to deal with authority, you know, race directors and, uh, you know, other competitors. There's just so much to the sport. Um, but but back to your question, uh, RPG is um, really a, a driver development program. Um, and, of course, we've expanded over the years you know, with the OTK chassis line and, you know, selling carts and parts and, and uh, now with with Alex Vincent, our our in-house engine development program. Um, it, for me, my passion and, and what I like to see out of the drivers is really progress and driver development, and um, that that's why we do this. Well, you know, it's it's interesting you say that because you, you do approach it a little bit differently. You, you talk about the fact that you got started back in 1990 at Pat's Acres Racing Complex up in Canby, Oregon. Of course, so one of the legendary racetracks in the Pacific Northwest. You actually call that track your home base now. When you're, yep. you know, when there, when you're not at a track somewhere else, you've brought the trailer up yep. and you essentially, you know, you set up shop there at home. It's your, it's the track that you use to train your young drivers on. Um, but yeah, to kind of summarize what you said, the cool thing is, is you've, you guys are, you're a regional, a regional team and a national team in terms of taking drivers to those particular tracks. You also sell product, the OTK line. As you talked about the in-house engine building program now. Driver development, though, so much of what, about what you do. And, you know, anytime you see a team, Mike, like the one you have, you'll see a young driver who started potentially as, uh, in the mini swift class or whatever, maybe, or junior, or whatever. And they work their way into the senior class with you. They start winning championships. They get a chance to, uh, whether it was to go to the Rotex grand finals or you're you know, sending guys now trying to send guys to the IAMI international final in Le Mans mm-hmm. to be able to have someone for a long time. And that them staying with you, I, I think speaks volumes. Luke Selican being one, a driver who was a young driver that you coached and taught who has now become one of your, essentially one of your coaches underneath your tent, one of your mechanics and coaches that uh, 
that speaks volumes to me to be able to have someone in there that the culture that you've developed, people aren't running away from you. They, they stick with you as long as they can. Yeah. And that's a great compliment. Uh, we, you know, we're always appreciative of the drivers and the families that, um, uh, that, that want to stick with it and stick with our team. And, and Luke is a great example of that. Heck, that kid's a better driver than me now. I mean, he's, he's an animal. Um, and, and like you said, he's able to coach now and um, actually quite enjoys it. Uh, and he's doing a great job at it. So um, one of my clients uh, a couple years ago, um, we, we had his son for, for about two seasons. And he, he, he left. He had a, a great career in karting, fantastic career, and moved on to uh, uh, the next rung on the ladder of motorsports. And, and the, uh, the father told me one day, he said, yeah, you did too good of a job. We're leaving. We won everything. We'll see you later. <laughs> well, that doesn't happen every day, but that's a, that's a great compliment. And, and in fact, that does happen. You know, at some point, we, we, we had Austin Versteeg, Blaine Rocha, Luke Selican, and McKay Snow. And within six months, all four of them were gone from the team. And had yep. graduated and, and had and have and are doing, you know, their own different uh, careers in, in the next form of motorsports. I, I personally and people I've said this many times, I would love to see kids stay in karting for one, two, maybe even three years in senior, because I think that's where you learn really how to be a karting badass. I think mm-hmm. you may think you're you may think you're the guy when you won a junior championship, but you know, you need to go up and and get the elbows up and race against the big dogs before. Uh, you, personally, I think you're ready to move on, on to cars. But I want to go back to something you just said there, because you talked about Luke Selican being you, – you coached him so much, and he got all the seat time, and you say he's better than you right now. I'm hearing stories, though, Mike, that potentially you got back behind the wheel at the final round of the Can-Am Karting Challenge and may have laid an ass whooping on some of your – drivers and an older go-kart is, yeah. this, the, is this the truth yeah i i did uh i did have a chance to race at pat's acres uh, a, a month or so ago and and, yeah. and i had a lot of fun and how'd it go let's well, not talk about how much fun you had how well did you do well i, I won the race but I, I had some luck in there too rob i had some luck in there luke was on the track and and he uh i, I think he was just playing with me uh <laughs> and unfortunately he had a, a a mechanical uh failure so so i did uh I did get to win that race, and I make sure to remind him about that. I good. I'll make sure that as well. Throughout this next month, we'll make sure that happens in a big way. But, but I'll um, tell you just real quick, uh, yep. what a pleasure it was to be able to actually race with uh, some of our upcoming drivers um, at that event at Pat's Acres. It was just neat. Uh, I spend as much time as I can behind the wheel on test weekends and different things, but to be in a race with these kids and and watch them and see how well and how much progress they've made, maybe coming from the junior ranks and they're rookies and senior now, or maybe they've been in senior for a couple of years and they're starting to get on the podium at these regional races, challenging for the podium at national races. It was pretty cool. It was a proud moment for me to be on the track with those kids. Yeah. I can, I can only imagine how great that would be now. Here, let's do this. Let, let's before we go to a commercial, let's, let's cap off a good real overview of the Rawlson Performance Group, give me a little, give me some insight into your staff. Uh, you talked about Alec Vincent already, but uh, who else is is around you to help out with coaching? I know you guys are the driver development's very is crucial, but you guys really leverage data acquisition as well. You want to make sure your kids know not just what to do, but why to do it. What the you know what the result is 
of a different corner entry, whatever it may be, carrying more speed here, getting off the brakes a little earlier here. Who is the talk about the crew that you've put around you? Um, so that, that makes helps make the Rawls Performance Group so successful. Wow. Well, there's 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 quite a few. Um, yeah. uh, you know, Alex uh, Alex Vincent for our engines is is incredible. He's had you know decades of experience in karting and actually um, uh, puts in quite a bit of time uh, you know, looking at data and, and as well giving his his uh, opinion on on chassis setup. And of course, Bonner Moulton and Mike Beanie are uh, from M Squared Karting in Salt Lake City. Uh, those guys are absolutely incredible. Um, Bonner has uh, uh, his own mellow way, which is very, very great tool. The way he explains things to the drivers and looking at GoPro video and data, um, he's just incredible on that. Um, and then we've we've got uh, the veterans like Aaron Nelliton uh, uh, that spends. Um, you know, the majority of his time with us at RPG when we're home. And then, of course, he's on the road with, with his driver uh, under our tent. Uh, and, and his knowledge in the cadets and, and, and further, I mean, he raced for years, was running yep. in stars of karting and, and all these different uh, race series back in the early 2000s and so on. So the experience is uh, incredible. I think we've talked about this before between our uh, uh, five or six staff members. We have over a hundred years of experience between all of us, which is, wow. we need it. That's what we need. It's, it's so competitive these days racing against these other, you know, strong teams, uh, you know, speed concepts, uh, and, and the list goes on. Uh, there's guys out there that are absolutely incredible and, and they're trying to do the same thing we are, right. They're trying to take their drivers to the top. So much great information coming out, folks, in this edition of the Industry Insider here on the EKN Radio Network. After this break, Mike and I are going to come back again. I'm going to ask him a little bit about how his long history in the sport maybe has shaped the way he has developed his business. We'll talk about the sport itself as well. We've got 2018 to talk about, 2019 to discuss. So much more to come. Stay with us. Lots still to roll out here on the EKN Radio Network. With the season winding down, it's time to start planning for 2019 and how you're going to take your racing to the next level. For so many race winners and championship winners, that choice was obvious. Joining the Rawlison Performance Group and its staff of multi-time national champions, Super Nationals winners, and Team USA members. We're dedicated to your development, your constant improvement, and your success. Our goal is to help you raise your game and win races. It's what we do we win. Our tent is already fully booked for this year's Scusa Super Nationals in Las Vegas, but we're now reserving spots in our program for the 2019 Supercart USA Winter Series, the Pro Tour, the Super Nationals, and both the California Pro Car Challenge and the K&M Karting Challenge. If you're looking forward to 2019 and you want to explode out of the gate to put in the best season of your life, call us to reserve a space under our tent for the Supercart USA Winter Series. It's been an incredible season at the Rawls Performance Group, and we couldn't be more proud of our drivers and their successes. On the Scusa Pro Tour, we won the S2 Stock Honda Championship and earned Vice Champion honors in S1 Stock Honda, X30 Senior, and X30 Masters. In the California Pro Car Challenge, we won the Mini Swift title, and in the Can-Am Karting Challenge, our drivers were crowned champions in Tag Senior, X30 Junior, and Micro Swift. If you want to fight for championships in 2019, call us. 
If you want to improve your skills and your chances to win, the answer is the same. Call us at 503-260-4514. For Rawls and Performance Group, we race to win. Welcome back to episode number 11 of the Industry Insider here on the EKN Radio Network. Thank you so much, folks, for tuning in. My name is Rob Howden. Joined today by Mike Rawlson from the Rawlson Performance Group, one of the leading race teams in national and regional competition. Uh, but the bottom line, just a fantastic place to go if you're a young driver looking to develop your talents and to take yourself to the next level. Uh, Mike, before the break, we talked about the team itself, kind of an overview of the staff you had there. We talked a bit about you getting started in the sport as well, and you didn't touch too much on the fact that, you know, you, you say, hey, I started here, I had an Amic, and then you jumped right in. But, there, man, there were years there um, when the Pacific Northwest was really one of the toughest places to race anywhere in North America. There was just so many great drivers. The tracks were tight, and racing was aggressive, and you were one of the guys up front. You were winning championships. You were winning races. The question I asked before, I, I kind of posed before we went to the break, was how has the, your long history in karting and the, through the spectrum of all the different types of racing, how has that kind of affected the way maybe you shaped your company and the maybe way you approach the sport right now? Because you've been, I, I don't want, you know, you've been there through certain roles of the sport. You know, you were there with the no body work. You were there when the Supercart USA Pro Moto Tour started in, in 99. You were you know, able to win at that level. How has it just kind of affected the way you approach the sport, you think? Well, it's changed a lot, Rob. Karting has changed quite a bit, as I was talking about earlier. Yeah. Um, uh, I, I, I love it today. Um, it's just much different. Um, I think uh, to come from, from the early 90s, and, and maybe it was 1994, 1995, when uh, JM Racing rolled into one of the, one of the big races with a, a 53-foot semi we didn't know what it was there for. <laughs> what is this? Is this a delivery or what's happening? So, and I think that was one of the first uh, really, uh, you know, big rigs in karting. And today, uh, or in two weeks at the Scusa Super Nationals, if you look in the paddock, there will probably be 30 to 40 of those rigs. Yeah. So, so it's changed a lot. Um, there's, so many more teams today uh, than there was, let's say, in the earlier mid '90s. Um, so the evolution is is pretty extraordinary. Um, but for for me, growing up racing uh, in in the early '90s and mid '90s, uh, I, like you said, there was incredible drivers in the Northwest: uh, Jason Lapointe, Michael Valiente, um, and these drivers. You know, some weekends would kick my butt, right? And those guys are quite incredible some of them went on to have professional driving careers uh insanely good drivers uh but that made me better and it pushed me harder and um that's one of the things that i try and instill in these kids today is that there's there's always somebody else out there doing another extra practice session you're going to do 10 practice sessions on a friday afternoon or a saturday morning somebody somewhere is going to do 11 and uh the, the desire is one of the strongest tools that any driver can have. Uh, and, and I really try and preach that to our kids. Uh, that's one of the things that I don't think I was ever the best driver. 
And uh, I don't think maybe I was ever the smartest, but I sure did want it really bad. Sometimes too bad. <laughs> but uh, yeah, it happens. Yeah. And and I uh, was lucky enough to have good equipment, um, but maybe not the best equipment. And um, it, it doesn't matter when you pull out onto the racetrack in a cart. There are no pit stops. There are no radios. You can drive down the straightaway and point to your engine all you want, and it's not going to make you any faster during that main event or that heat race, whatever it is. You have what you have. You have to figure out how to get that to the front. Isn't that something that you think potentially separates some of the drivers who are able to run up front and some of the drivers who just maybe struggle or, as you say, the first thing they're going to do is complain about the engine or whatever it may be. Because you don't know what the track's going to be like, especially if it's a day where we're going from wet to dry. Or if it's a day where it starts to get hotter and hotter as the day goes on, the track gets sticky, then gets greasy. The really good drivers get out there, and in the first couple of laps, they're able to get a good feel for what the cart's doing, and then they're able to drive above that. Sure. You know, you know what I mean? They're able to take a cart that may be crap, may just not be working in the situation because the setup you guys made, the change was, was different. Yeah, they're going to feel it the first couple laps, but somehow they're able to overcome the chassis differences or the track differences and still turn the lap times they need to run up front. I'd love when I see that happen. I think that's key. It, it is key, and it's the best part about karting. Uh, the, the driver uh, makes the biggest difference. Um, if you show up to the Super Nationals, of course, there's going to be um, you know, 88 drivers of full field in X30 Senior. Um, and certainly there's going to be a lot of new chassis and a lot of fresh engines um, and a lot of exceptional talent. Okay, But if you've got 35 of the best drivers from around the world, they all have very good engines. They all have very good chassis. Well, who wins then? it's obviously the driver that that puts it all together that weekend that wants it most, yeah. right true enough I, I i totally agree with that now let's let's look at the sport a bit right now you've been um you've been doing it for you know for some 30 something years or 20 something years when you look back at the sport and the and the waves you've gone through you're kind of able to be able to be flexible with the way the sport was evolving right now where do you see the sport going at this point here? It's kind of a philosophical question. You may not have been ready for it, but where, where do you, you, you see us right now? I'll, I'll set the stage. We're in a place now where it's a little different than it was in the past. It's really manufacturer-driven in terms of engines. You know, if you're a rock guy, you're over here. If you're an IAMI guy, you're over here. Uh, you know, the 206 Briggs guys are this level, and they're over here. I don't think that's – I personally don't think that's a bad thing. It is what it is. You pick a place and you go racing because there's so much racing going on. It's not like – you're going to pick one. You don't get to go racing somewhere. Do you agree with that, or what? What thoughts do you have on kind of the, the where the sport is right now, and where it may be going? Well, I, I do agree. Um, I, I think it, it it depends on if you're talking about the sport of karting on the national or international level um, uh, versus on the regional or local level. Um, you touched on the the 206 uh, package. That I think I've seen it in the Northwest has been. Uh, fantastic for local and regional level racers. Uh, and now we're seeing, and, and we just placed our order for uh, 10 KA 100 engines. We're seeing this 100 CC uh, air-cooled engine come back very strong. Um, and so for local and regional and 
I, I'm imagine we'll see it on the national level also. Um, there's another great package, right? I'm interested in your feedback on that because really, you know, what engines were you running, Mike, when you were, you know, when you made your run up through, I don't think you did a lot of four-cycle racing. If you did any, uh, you know, you were, I would expect where you are a Yamaha guy, yeah. right? Yeah. Or maybe read rotary heavy or read rotary light back in the yeah, day. All of the above. Yeah. <laughs> Didn't race any four cycles, um, yeah. but a lot of KT 100s and uh, shoot. We were, we were running formula Y, which was a popular class, which for those that don't know is a, what was a direct drive Yamaha KT 100 with a, I drove that. Yeah. Yeah. yeah well, I ran that at a, a constructor's cup or two uh, in the later nineties. Um, a lot of uh, Perilla TT75s, which is like a reed, reed valve engine, uh, 100cc reed valve. Uh, the Comet K71, which was a piston port engine. Uh, shoot, uh, a, a lot of different stuff. The HPV, as it was called back in the day. Yeah. Have you driven Have you driven the KA100, and what are your thoughts on it? Uh, I have driven the KA100 just one session um, up at Pat's Acres. I, I think it's a great package. It's it's pretty quick, uh, and it, it took me right back to the to the nineties. An air cool. <laughs> yeah. uh, it, it was fun. Yes, it's a quick engine, and it's a uh, it, um, it lasts a long time. Uh, so th- that's another great thing. Um, getting back to talking about where the sport is today yeah. on, on the national level. I mean, if we look forward to the race in a couple weeks, there's going to be 550 drivers or something like that. It's, it's pretty incredible. And there's some other big national races where we'll get 250 to 300 drivers, you know, four or five times a year at these big national events. That that's great. Um, but that's a different level. It's a different commitment for resources and for time, uh, on, on the regional level and local level. I think you're going to see, things like the 206, which, um, you know, you just don't have to put a lot of money into to, to maintain it, to keep it going. Uh, the same with this 100cc engine. You're going to be able to pick one of these engines up, uh, uh, spend a couple hundred bucks to get it where it, where it should be, and you're going to run it all year. And, and that, for local and regional karting, that's what it's all about. Yeah, I think the key overview or maybe a disclaimer when we start talking about national level racing is it, it probably doesn't represent 5% of all the racers who are actually competing, you know, throughout a, a year in North America. If we, if we throw the number around 15,000 drivers in North America, you're talking 500 to 600 drivers, right, who probably run nationally or have the ability to run nationally. So we're talking 3 to 5%. Right. but. You know, we had a great podcast uh, last week with Greg Jasperson from Cup Carts North America. He promoted, along with his crew, the uh, Grand Nationals at Newcastle at the end of September, and they had almost 200 drivers and not many crossovers. So almost 200 full drivers running the 206 package, 45, I think, in 206 senior, whatever it was. And I think you're right. That's There's just – we're getting the – maybe there was the, the, the re-addition of the 100cc air-cooled engine – which has kind of brought back that gap that we really probably haven't had since the leopard first kind of took over and people were jumping on the leopard, right? It was right from four cycle to the leopard. We didn't have that medium speed, medium price, medium budget engine in the middle, which we have now. And I, I think the K 100 and in, in turn, the, uh, the rock version of the 100 really have a lot of people pretty excited. right? Yeah, now. I, I definitely agree. I can, there's a lot of interest. I'm, I'm getting phone calls and emails uh, about this hundred CC package and, 
<clears throat> people's thoughts on you know where it's going to be allowed to race next year and uh, locally and regionally, it's a no-brainer to me. I, I prefer a two-stroke over the four-stroke. I, I love what the 206 has done for the local and regional market. Um, but just from my own personal experience and growing up in, in the two-stroke racing, uh, I think this is a great a great package. All right, folks, stay with us. When we get back after this next break, uh, we're going to start talking about uh, the Super Nationals. Of course, Mike Rawlison with a fantastic group of drivers set to go at this year's Super Nationals under the Rawlison Performance Group temp, uh, tent. Rather, When we get back after this break, we'll, uh, we'll chat a little bit about what's going to happen in Vegas here over the next month. From coast to coast, IAMI has become the two-cycle engine of choice for American karting. Starting with the air-cooled 60cc Swift engine and moving through to the incredible X30 power plant, IAMI is providing much-needed stability for the sport. The Swift and X30 engines are the backbone of the Supercart USA Pro Tour and Pro Car Challenge Series, as well as the USPKS, the Route 66 Sprint Series, and the WKA Manufacturers Cup. We're thrilled to introduce the new IAMI KA100 Rejet engine with a special introductory price of just $16.95 until the end of February. The new engine is getting rave reviews and will be part of the USPKS, Route 66, and WKA Man Cup programs in 2018. Watch for more regions of the country to get on board with this new formula. We have two distribution centers in the U.S. to serve you well. IAMI East in Mooresville, North Carolina, Miami West in Temecula, California. The momentum is continuing to build, so it's time to make an investment in stabilizing your engine program. For more information on Miami, head to the website for your region. MiamiUSAEast.com or MiamiUSAWest.com. Welcome back to the Industry Insider, episode number 11 here on the EKN Radio Network. My name is Rob Howden. Thank you so much for tuning in. Uh, joined by Mike Rawlson from the Rawlson Performance Group, already in Las Vegas to kick things off, as uh, a number of people are, as the Rock the Rio event, uh, kicking things off uh, at the Rio All Suite Hotel and Casino. They'll, of course, make way for the Supercarts USA Super Nationals. 22nd running of that great race uh, later on, midway through the month. Uh, Mike, you're down there. You're locked and loaded. Hopefully, you'll have the same hotel room for the, <laughs> the entire stay so that you can really get comfortable. Um Let's let's talk Supernats. I know you're you're jacked up about that event. We can talk Rock the Rio as well. Um, two different events, one venue, odd. There's no doubt about it. It's it's, it's weird, but it's happening. Uh, for, let's start with the, the Rock the Rio. How how are things looking so far? Well, they're looking uh, they're looking really well. Um, the, the, we're here. The tracks laid out. Uh, it, it looks like they've got uh, an entire set of new barriers, so the track looks really sharp. Um, there's uh, the pits are filling up. Uh, the big teams are here. Tents are set up. And um, the, one of the guys this morning told me they've got uh, over 200 drivers registered for this race. So um, that's a real positive thing for, for this staff. And, and uh, we're bringing eight drivers here. Um, many of the drivers, I think six of our eight, um, wanted to come here uh, because they're first-time Supernats entrants. They've not done the Supernats before. So they wanted to come down to a parking lot race, a barrier race, and get their feet wet before uh, they turn back around and come down in two weeks for um, the, the granddaddy of them all, the Supernats. No doubt about that. Uh, I, and I can see that. I can see the idea of going there to get a feel for it. 
the visuals are so much different. Just the approach is different. You know, to be honest, just being in Las Vegas is different too. And I think if you're a young driver, it could be a little daunting. You know, there's not, there, there's nothing like, and, and I liked being down at the Las Vegas Convention Center. That was cool and all. We were right on the strip. You know, I was awesome. But there's something about the Rio with the strip as the background. You know, in the evenings when we're under the lights, it's just, if there, if there's nothing like it in North American karting at all. It's just absolutely amazing. It is amazing. I, I, like I said earlier, uh, there's just something in the air here at the Rio. It's, it's fantastic. And um, uh, for sure, the drivers get those nerves. And uh, I tell them, uh, I tell them all the time, hey, those nerves are good. It, it means you care. Right. And so embrace it. It's yeah. all right to be a little bit nervous. Embrace it and, and put your put your helmet on and get out there and do your job. Uh, I know that you and I talked earlier. You got a you got a pretty packed tent for the Supernats uh, for the you know, the Scusa finale. Uh, would it would it be would, would I be asking too much of you to tell me who you think are your drivers who could stand up and potentially win uh, this year or at least get on the podium? Because you obviously had a tremendous season on the Supercarts USA Pro Tour with a number of drivers uh, in the top three, national number plate winners, champions in the series. Just a really good season for you. We'll go back and talk more about 2018, but. Um, it can can I put you on the spot and say, hey, who are the drivers you think have a chance of uh, winning races? For well, it, I mean, we've got a we've got a, a stable of, of X30 senior drivers, um, and and of course, I, I think that's one of the most competitive classes at the Supernats. Of course, KZ is insane with with the talent that comes comes over from Europe, um, but there's also quite a few drivers that enter into X30 that are exceptional, right? World champions. Um, so that's going to be very difficult, very difficult class. But we've got, you know, we've got drivers that, that you're familiar with that have run this year uh, on the Pro Tour and Pro Car Challenge, the, the Lupian brothers and Hannah and Jacob Gulick. And uh, we've got some drivers from Canada that are that are pretty strong from Australia. We've got some. I, I would say that we have a ringer or two that's coming that that is definitely going to have a shot at running up front. It's so hard to say, though. (laughs) I know it is so hard to say. the 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 depth of talent um, is just incredible. So it's it's really hard to say. You've been to so many of these. You've seen, uh, you know, championship caliber drivers that you know uh, fight to get into the main. That's that's where I was going with that. Is it's so tough when it comes to the supernats because yeah, over the years, especially of the pro tour, right. Supernat started in 1997. The pro the Promoto Tour uh, wasn't even part of that in, in the early days. Uh, when Scoozers restarted the Pro Tour, they did two races: the Spring Nats and Summer Nats, and they wrapped up with the Super Nationals. Last number of years, we've had the Winter Nationals and the Super Nats have been back to being a, a single race. But how many times, Mike, was there in those early years? Probably what first five years of the Pro Tour, maybe not six years of the Pro Tour, seven years when. The guy that was go- the two guys that were driving and battling for the championship, the number one plate, were nowhere near the top ten. I mean, you're right; they were almost battling to get into the main event. Sometimes it was, it's just like this racetrack. I know when you're thinking championship, it's kind of a different mindset. But man, you just never know who's going to drop the cart down at a race like this and get super comfortable and be up the front. Well, you're exactly right, and I think that's right? that's one of the draws to this event. That's that's why it's such a great event. Uh, you just don't know. Uh, there's so many variables. Can you talk about how important qualifying is? Oh, jeez. 
<laughs> right? <laughs> okay, so the, there you go. We just laugh about it. We know how important it is. But then let me go to the other side of the question. Um, what? And maybe you don't want to let, let the secret out, but what do you do to prepare your your drivers for qualifying? This is something anybody anybody driving. I don't care if you're a two hundred six or a KA one hundred, or you're driving your your whatever somewhere. Qualifying is always super important. And is there anything you do that maybe you always do, or everybody does? You can like kind of lend it to our listeners to get ready for a qualifying session of that much importance. Well, um, I mean, we, we keep it basic. Um, we, we're always telling our drivers, um, you practice like you race. So it quite simply, um, the, the preparation for qualifying at an event like the super nationals starts 10 months ago when we're running the Scusa winter series or a California pro car challenge or a Can-Am guarding challenge. And we are going out to qualify. We've got to we've got to qualify at those races like it's qualifying at the Super Nationals. So you've got to practice that sort of stuff, whether it's on a test weekend or on a Can-Am Karting Challenge regional race weekend, or if it's at the the Pro Tour in Newcastle with sixty something X30 seniors. Uh, Incredibly important to qualify well there, also, but. All, all of those sorts of things add up for an event like the Super Nationals. I know one of the guys I talked to, is this is numerous years ago, and he was kind of filling me in on one of his approaches. And that was you practice, 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 and you're pushing 100%. You're trying to get as fast as you can, and you're dialing your card in. And so you know what your 100% is. And then what he told me was in his qualifying sessions, he would go out you know, however long the session was, five, seven, ten minutes long, he would go out and he would make sure that he was able to knock off laps what he believed to be the, the time that he knew he could turn, whatever it was. Let's say it's a 43 flat. He knew he could turn a 43 flat. So he was going to go out there and do everything he could to knock off those laps, essentially about 98% of what he thought he could probably do total. And then he made sure once everything got there and he hit the mark that he wanted, then he was going to let it hang out for a couple laps to see if he couldn't put it on the, you know, was it that pole lap? Could he go that much further? So he wanted to put the lap in the books first and then lay yep. it out. Is that, some, is that something that you would say would, would be interesting for some somebody to try? Well, it, it's possible for sure. I, um, definitely in, in today's um, uh, environment, how many carts are on the track and mm-hmm. uh, when the tires come in can dictate if you could run a, a, a qualifying session of seven minutes like that. It, it's certainly possible and it and it's it's a good it's a good approach um but you've also got to take into account uh, lap traffic right and when your tires come in and depending on the temperature and the track and how much rubber is down you you might you often have a shorter window than that you may have a three lap window or four lap window to, to it's very, very interesting you say that because that's something that I heard when we were on the road to Indy this year and they were talking about all the different variables. Mike, and you nailed it, right? It's, it's, you know, your tire, you know, that it has whatever the sweet spot is. You need to hit the number one, you've need to, you've need to chose the right tire pressure to hit the sweet spot of the tire based on the temperature of the track at that point, which you could never know of, right? Because you're trying to prep the car before you go out. And all that while you have to make sure you don't have any traffic. When you hit that sweet spot, that limited amount, that limited lap of sweet spot, no, tra- no traffic. And then your driver has to get it's the job. The best man. That's why it's racing. It, it, I love qualifying so much. You've got to put much. it all together. Yeah. So it's fantastic. Yeah. 
That's awesome. All right, folks, again, let's have one more quick break here. When we get back, we're going to talk to Mike Rawlison about 2018, some of his highlights, look at 2019, then, of course, we're going to throw the EKN Fast Five at him to wrap up today's podcast. Stick with us. More to come here on the EKN Radio Network. Since 2003, K1 Race Gear has been a one-stop shop for all your indoor and outdoor karting needs. From racing shoes, suits, and driving gloves to chest protectors, rib vests, accessories, and bags, K1 Race Gear provides quality karting products for the enthusiast and the professional alike. We have an incredible lineup of K1 karting suits designed to fit everyone's budget. Check out our entry-level GK2, the new Apex 2, and our top-of-the-line Speed 1 suit. Then, choose from our Apex and RS1 karting gloves and add in our K1 shoes, rib protectors, and neck collars. If you need a custom suit to support your sponsors, we can create a custom look as unique as you are. As you would expect, our custom suits are made to order. With pricing as low as $495, you're sure to find a suit that not only satisfies your racing needs, but is easy on the wallet as well. We take care of all of our customers at K1 Race Gear, not just the ones with deep pockets. Visit k1racegear.com today and get everything you need for your next racing season. Welcome back to the EKN Radio Network, the 11th episode of the Industry Insider. Mike Rawlson and I getting a little giddy there that right before the commercial talking about qualifying. Um, I will admit qualifying probably one of my favorite parts of any race because in a race there are times where we can kind of settle in and you kind of know the outcome. Top five drivers may be separated by a couple of cart lengths. You know, I'm calling out splits, but things kind of lock in. You know, Mike, when it comes to qualifying, you just never know because you never know over a seven-minute session, eight-minute qualifying run, whatever it is at the Supernats or any race you're at, you never know who's going to be able to go and cork one at the very end. Absolutely. Yeah, right? and especially when you're talking about, um, you know, some of these fields, 80, 90, 100 drivers that you just don't know. And a, and a hundreds of a second from first to fourth, whatever yeah, it may be. Or thousands, Crazy. yeah. Or thousands, yeah. All right, so again, Mike Rollison from the Rollison Performance Group joining us here on the EKN Radio Network. Mike, let's, as a team, you know, we, we outlined who you guys are, what you do, the focus and passion you guys have for driver development, some of the kids that have worked their way up through your ranks from kids to young adults, which again, as, as I said, kind of speaks volumes. When you look back at 2018, what, what are the highlights for you as a team owner from the guy, you know, we always see, up on top of the RPG trailer, kind of, you know, watching over your flock, you know, watching over your, your crew. What, what are some of the highlights that you go, man, that was, this was a great year. This was fun. Well, uh, there's so many Rob, um, for us, it it started back in January, um, to be, to be able to go out and be part of the, um, Scusa winter series, um, was, was great. Um, we had, uh, uh, some great finishes out there. And, and of course, this year we had um, we had a handful of drivers moving out of junior and into senior. So they were rookies. And then we had <clears throat> a handful of drivers out of cadets and into junior. So this was their rookie year in junior. And, um, we had um, uh, Graham Trammell in the micro category uh, coming onto the national scene. So, you know, although we had driven micro the past year, this was kind of a rookie year for him on that level. Um, and, and all of our drivers had, had highlights this year, um, from, uh, from the Scusa winter series to the California pro car challenge 
uh, to the pro tour. Uh, it, it was actually, it was a really great year for us. Uh, do you look back at one or two races or obviously a cha- was it a championship in the S2 class this year, I believe, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. That's right? right. Pedro Lopes in S2. Pedro Lopez. Yep. 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 Um, and battled for the championship uh, down to the wire in X30 Master and X30 Senior. Uh, had, some, yep. had some breakout runs for our, our junior drivers uh, on the Pro Tour, um, as well as uh, Graham in, in the micro category. Um, Kyle Wick. Uh, kicking butt in F1 in his rookie year. Uh, the list goes right. on. That, that's what I'm thinking. He was, he, he was one that I want. He was one of the ones I wanted to pitch to you. Him and and Hannah Greenmeyer. Um, I'll start with Hannah. You know, I, I've already said once in this podcast, and I probably say it in almost every podcast that I would love to see drivers stay a couple of years in senior because I think that's really when you become a driver. Mm-hmm. You know, you're not just a carter. You're not a junior racer trying to move up the ranks. You know, it's it's the reason why a guy like Jake Craig or Oliver Askew or Kyle Kirkwood has done so good in cars is because they spent those years really working it in the senior category. This, you know, this is not welterweight boxing. This is top level UFC stuff to be at that level. Um, And you could just see Hannah every race getting better and better and more confident, more aggressive. I'm sure you guys saw that. I'm sure you guys were teaching that and, and, and pushing that. But um, man, I was really impressed with the way she developed throughout yeah, the season. Yeah, for sure. Um, very impressive year. Um, and and to, to touch on what you were saying, uh, you're exactly right. Um, the speed, uh, oftentimes we can see from, from a driver, the speed comes first, uh, and then it's what you do with it, right? And, and, and how you can come through the pack or uh, uh, how you can race up front, right? You're learning your and honing your skills on racecraft. Um, and then... Yeah, it, it's about feedback and the feedback that a driver can come in and, and we can, we can plug our computers in and we can look at all the data, but the, the driver is our best data acquisition tool that we have. So if a driver can come yeah. back and say, I understand that this is what the computer says, but this is also what I was feeling. And if those things correlate uh, for, for a chassis tuner or an engine tuner, uh, it doesn't get any better than that to be getting quality feedback from your driver uh, is huge. And that's what separates those names that you were talking about that are climbing the ladder in motorsports. It's not just that they're badasses on the racetrack that they can adapt to a cart. They can bring information back to their engineer and that separates them from everybody else. If you can bring information back to your team on a consistent basis, accurate information, obviously you're, you have a real shot. That's just my opinion. I'm a go-karter. Yeah, no, I, I agree with you for sure. And, I, and that's echoed by a lot of the engineers I talk to in the road to Indy who will say that some guys just can bring feedback and some cannot. Now let's talk a little bit about how about, how about your prep for Kyle Wick jumping from S2 into the S1 category. One of the difference between S1 and X30 senior, I think drivers coming out of junior is a lot of the guys in the top drivers still even in junior are 16, 17, 18 years of age. Whereas in the shifter card categories, you're racing against almost men to a certain extent. You know what I mean? There's guys that are 19, 20, 21 or older running in that category. You're going against a guy like, like a Billy Musgrave and a Jake French and AJ Myers, you know, and some of these absolute badasses, whether it's Ronnie White, you know, veteran driver like he and Nick LaDuke. How did you guys, or, or can you give me some insight, Lisa, maybe how you prepped Kyle to jump to the, you know, to the pro class and shifter and, and how you, 
How would you characterize the way he was able to adapt to what was a really challenging situation? Well, I mean, Kyle's been racing for a long time. He's been karting for a long time, and he's had some experience in shifter, obviously, ran very strong in, in S2 last year. Um, so it was it was the basics. It was what we were just talking about. It was communicating with with Wes or, or, or with his dad or, or with Ewan about what his CRG chassis was doing and what he wanted it to do. Uh, and, and Kyle was honing those skills this year. Uh, he can lay down the lap. There's no question. You can see that. Um, uh, look at the Phoenix pro tour. That, that was, that was impressive. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, yeah, I think he, he had a, a pretty big lead on Saturday in the final and, and came home second on Sunday. It was, it was a great weekend. Uh, it's back to the basics. It's managing your tires, right. On a shifter, on a moto engine, especially that 110 degree heat or whatever it was in Phoenix, right? Yeah. Uh, yeah. You know, a lot of folks can go out there and, and put it in the top, the first row or the top two or three rows in S1, but it, can you manage your tires through the pre-final and then still have something left to fight with in the final? So, And Kyle was continuing to hone those skills this year, and, and obviously he's doing a pretty damn good job at it. You can see his results. Yeah, I think he'll uh, be impressive to watch. You have to remember that he made his S1 debut last year at the uh, at the Super Nationals, and uh, we'll be back again this year with a full season under his belt. Uh, of course, a lot more confidence, a lot of momentum. It'll be really, really interesting to see what he does when we get uh, to the, the uh, Super Nationals in, in a couple of weeks. Now, Mike, let's cap off this particular segment um, with your plans for 2019. Where uh, you know, what is Rawls and Performance Group focused on? What series are you going to be running? Um, and just give your thoughts on, on next year. Sure. Well, we, uh, first we've got to get through the Supernats. We've got to finish the Rock the Rio here, and then we've got to get through the Supernats. And, and then um, my guys are going to need some time off. I, I, I don't think <laughs> that even if I call them, I don't think they're going to answer. Uh, yeah, I understand that. They need some time. We've been prepping for 30 days. We didn't, we, we didn't touch on how many races did you guys actually do this year? How many races was the, the Rawlison Big Rig or your satellite rig – at, how many races oh, was it at this I, year? I, I, I'm do you not, many, do you miles no, I don't want to count the miles that I drove this year. I don't want to. I hear that. I would imagine it was uh, it was somewhere around 32 to 36 weekends this year that we were racing, and then we've got to sprinkle in you know, half a dozen or more test weekends. Um like the, leading up to a pro tour or something. And then of course our, our driver coaching weekends oftentimes are at Pat's acres. A lot of weekends, Rob, a lot of, yeah. Yeah. I wouldn't I change it though. I love it. I hear you. I'm exactly the same way. I love what I do. I'm, I'm, I'm home for six weeks and I'm going crazy right now. I cannot wait to get back to the track. It's uh, it's driving me a little crazy now. So 2019, it was same kind of run. Are we doing, Winter Series, California Pro Car Challenge, Scusa Pro Tour, Can-Am Karting Challenge, that kind of the same yep. focus this year? Yeah, we're, we're on board for all of those events, and, and we'll see what else pops up. Uh, you know, this is the time of the year when all the schedules are, are out or are coming out literally this week, last week, uh, in the coming weeks. So we'll, we'll put together a master sheet that'll have – you know, 50 to 60 events on it uh, across the North America. And we always get that information to all of our clients 
and and collectively we decide where we're going to go. Yep. Understood. Yep. Okay. All right, listen, let's cap off. Uh, we'll do a wrap-up when we're all said and done here, but I want to pull out the EK and Fast Five. I think we might have did with this with you a while back, but let's do it again because we're here in 2018 now. Uh, the EK and Radio Network, of course, not even a year old and picking up a ton of speed. We appreciate the, everyone who has downloaded the app, whether it's through iTunes or Google Play or if you just listen on your phone through the website, uh, ecardinews.com slash radio. 24-7, 365 karting content. All our podcasts, all the ECAN trackside live race races are all on there. The play-by-plays, usually just the main events we have on there. Uh, we're going to keep developing this over the offseason, folks. This is going to be a lot of fun. But let's get back. At, so I got five questions for you, uh, talking about your world, your time in karting. Uh, Mike Rawlson, are you ready for the EKN Fast Five? All right. We already really answered the first question, but I'm going to bring it up again. You can give us some detail on it. Tell us again, what was your first cart? Give us some detail. Uh, 1981 Emic with a Yamaha KT100 purchased out of the classified ads of our local newspaper. I think that's awesome. Like, Okay, now, to give some of the younger guys a little bit of uh, reference, what kind of body work, if there was any? There was, was no on? body work on that. Do you have a driver fairing, at least, no, or just a number just panel? a number panel. Isn't that the best? Old, Old school, school, right? Yeah. And you know what? Rough. I think that would... What's that? Wheels. You drove two yes. piece wheels. Yeah, two piece wheels. Yeah, and, and it was an Emic, so you probably drove it wow. on two wheels, right? Yeah. Yes. Probably. Yes. Yes. Yep. Hard. Yep. That's good. Two piece wheels. <laughs> right? Isn't that old? And people, here's the thing too about nowadays, right? Their carts weigh so much these days because of all the body work, the rear bumpers, the front bumpers. Those things back then were so fast because there was no heavy body Correct. work. On yeah. Them. So the the weight if, to give you an idea, the weight for um, junior sportsmen, okay, a category that we ran in the early 90s, was 280 pounds. So today's weight is uh, 320 or 330 pounds. 50 pounds lighter just because of the body work, right? And water-cooled engines, the body work, yeah, just technology, yeah. Yeah, that's what it is. All right, question number two. What is your favorite racetrack? Man, that's tough. I would probably, the first thing, I mean, I have a lot of favorite tracks, but for me personally, a a track that's not open anymore, uh, that's in the uh, center of the state of Washington, uh, it's called Wenatchee, it's the name of the city. There's a track out there, um, uh, Pangborn Kart Track, uh, right next to the airport. Um, That track was built in the early early 90s, uh, 1991, I think, uh, somewhere around there. And unfortunately, uh, it was closed down about 2005, 2006, you know, the city politics, noise, different things like that. But um, that was a fantastic track. Absolutely fantastic. Elevation changes, long straightaway, wide, smooth. Good stuff. All right. Question number three. What was the biggest win in your karting career? Mm. Maybe... uh... The Rotax Grand Nationals, maybe? That was a pretty big deal. Okay. That's a big deal. That's a big deal. All right, let's go to question number four. Who was your biggest karting rival? Oh, that's a tough one. Uh, probably. If, if you got to say a couple, well, that's fine. Uh, Joey Hand. He, he, was, he, he beat me almost every national race 
that I went to against him. I, I think he's one of the, one of the best drivers that, that I grew up with. Um, dang, he's good. Uh, factory driver for yeah, him. Yeah. Right. I, I, I think yeah. I, I beat him a couple times, but boy, is he good. Um, but, uh, you know, the IKF grand nationals was the biggest race every year back in the early and mid nineties. That was the race that everyone looked yeah. forward to going to just once a year. Um, and, uh, I always look forward to that to try in my hand. That's awesome. That's awesome. All right. Final question of the EKN Fast Five. Who has been your biggest mentor or influence? Oh, that's that's tough. In the karting industry or? or, or I, I love the fact people obviously know that we don't prep you guys with yeah, these questions. Yeah, right? I'm caught on guard on that one. I, I, have, I have a mentor uh, named David Zimmerly um, uh, back at home yep, that, that uh, actually you yep. know, his boys race karts. He raced karts. He's so he understands the sport of karting, but he he's been my he's been my biggest mentor um, over the years. Um, not directly involved in karting anymore, but uh, gosh, I've had so many of them in the karting world that I've got to learn from. Different guys that have run shops that I've learned so much from. Um, you, you never stop learning in this sport. If if you think you know it all, you're probably going to get your ass kicked next week. <laughs> That's exactly it. Thank you so much, Mike. You got through the EK and Fast Five. I appreciate it. Listen, um, let's wrap. Let's wrap up. So, you're know, talking all about what you guys do. If if somebody wants, to, if somebody's trying to take their kid to the next level, and they want to hook up with you. What's the best way to get a hold of Mike Rawlson? Email, uh, email me. Uh, call me on my phone. I, I everyone knows, including my staff. They're always giving me the business. I'm I'm always on my phone, uh, text or. Uh, WhatsApp or, or uh, talking on the phone or emails. So you can email or call me uh, anytime. It's, What's the email it's address? Raleigh, R-O-L-I, 5000 at hotmail.com. And uh, 503 there you go. We'll make you can always contact them through Rawls Performance Group as well on Facebook, uh, the Rawls Performance Group uh, website as well. Mike, I appreciate you joining me, man. This has been fun. This is, uh, I, I love getting insight from people that have been around the sport for a long time and for people that uh, understand what this sport's about. You, the very start of the podcast, you just mentioned how great of a sport this was because, and I've said it so many times, it's, it's a sport where I don't care who you are involved, you're constantly, you're constantly evolving throughout a race weekend. You're having to deal with different problems, different situations, different uh, platforms and scenarios the entire time. And I think uh, when it comes to developing life skills, uh, carding transfers over to so many. Absolutely. Thank you very much, Rob. It was great. Thank you, Mike. Uh, Enjoy yourself in Las Vegas. Uh, David Cole and I'll see you out there when we get for the super Nats, but uh, good luck to you and your team uh, throughout this entire run. uh, Thank you, Rob. Thanks. Have a great afternoon. Folks, one of the greatest in our sport in terms of drivers and industry. He's been around for almost 30 years. Mike Rawlson from the Rawlson Performance Group, uh, truly one of the finest driver development programs in the country here in 2018 and into the future. Folks, again, episode number 11 of our Industry Insider Podcast. Mike Rawlson, fantastic guest for us. We got so much more to come here on the EKN Radio Network. Get ready, of course, for live coverage of the Supercarts USA Super Nationals. EKN Trackside Live, our 25th event of the 2018 season. David Cole and I will be there to bring you everything you want to know about the greatest race on earth. Take care, folks. My name's Rob Howden. Bye for now. <laughs>